The Jazz signed Omer Yurtseven. Who is he? What does he bring to the Jazz? And more. Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Jazz. I'm your host, Leif Tuline. Excited to be back with you for this final week before David Locke returns. Honored to be with you as always. I'm a lifelong Jazz fan, a credentialed NBA draft analyst, attendee of the 2023 Combine, attendee of the Summer League, broadcast assistant and statistician for the Utah Jazz the past two seasons, and will be back for year three. And I'm a lover of geeky numbers, college basketball, and I was uniquely qualified to help you guys through the draft, but now I'm going to navigate you through another process where the Jazz are solidifying their roster in between the Summer League and the regular season. And that's where I'll become useful that I've watched way too much basketball to tell you about Omer Yurtseven. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked on Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is, what do you think of Omer Yurtseven? All right. In the first segment, I'll talk about the Jazz's newest edition. That's Omer Yurtseven. And explain how he plays, what he brings to the Jazz roster, and more. In the second segment, I'll address the financial implications of signing Yurt 7 and how much I anticipate he plays, and maybe how that impacts the likes of some other players on the Utah Jazz. And in the final segment, I'll touch on the latest news regarding the health of the rookies as we finish Summer League sooner, and it's sooner than we know it will be training camp. And I'll even touch on a few little accolades that maybe some Jazz men have received and maybe some expectations for one of the guys we slipped under the radar in, what, in my coverage on Locked on Jazz for you the last couple of weeks. All right, let's dive right in. Omer Yurt 7 uh, was signed by the Utah Jazz. That's that's the premise right here. And here's the report that broke the news, just reading it word for word. Agent Keith Glass told ESPN that the deal is for two years with the starting salary for the 2023-24 season starting at $2.8 million. Hoop Hype's Michael Scotta reported that for the first season is a partial guarantee, while the second season is non-guaranteed. Yurt Seven is a 25-year-old native of Istanbul, Turkey, spent his first two seasons with the Miami Heat, and he has a career average of 5.2 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, while shooting 53% from the field and 64% from the free-throw line. So that's what he's done, and but that's backing up Bam out of bio. But like we talked about in the weeks past when we were talking about Paul Reed, the Jazz will be looking to find a player whose production is good, but it has a limited playing time experience but not because of oh they're young and they're not ready but because they're backing up someone who blocks their path because they're so good that's what bam out of bio does that's what paul reed was facing with joel Embiid in front of him that that's that's important to note that this guy could really be something he just hasn't been given the chance to be that so far and his minutes were productive when he has played yard seven made sense to go because Adebayo is phenomenal, and Orlando Robinson balled out for the Heat in the summer league. I'm going to talk about that lady, uh, that that later. Excuse me. Um, Orlando Robinson, and and it's going to be later in this where I'm going to talk about the summer league. Some winners. He's one of them. I think because he was so good, and they already have Nikola Jovic, that um, the Heat were willing to say, okay, your seven could be something, but we don't need him as much. And I actually brought that up. Uh, as as someone to go for as Orlando Robinson for the Jazz uh, when I was thinking about it when talking to someone about who could the Jazz go after and I watched the first summer league game that the Heat played I said wow this guy looks really good 
And I think they prioritized him over Yurt seven, but the, there was too many players for a limited role. And that's why you had to take advantage of it. So that's something. Um, Robinson and Yurt seven have both played sparsely behind a star center and bam out of bio. So who is Yurt seven? Omar Yurt seven. He was a, in college was a really good player. Like I said, I watch a ton of college basketball and in doing so, I've seen Omar Yurt seven numerous times. He played two years at NC State and was all ACC in 2017, 2018, and sat a year while transferring to Georgetown, where he averaged 16 points, 10 rebounds with a, a block and a half per game, shooting 53% of the field. He's got a nice kind of crafty, uses his body well. So he's big, he's strong, gets good position, but I'd say he's craftier more than powerful near the rim. And he's got good touch. And, and I thought he was a improving shooter. Uh, in college and he's become what a decent shooter something to keep in mind on that note is yurt seven uh can stretch the floor yurt seven in his limited minutes shot 42.9 percent from three this last year um his average his three-point attempts and three-point makes is on par with what kelly olenic did uh but obviously smaller sample size and slightly ahead of what ochag baji's was um and he did so at a higher percentage than each of them but you know not enough time to say so, but those are considered good three-point shooters for this roster, so maybe adding another player who can space and shoot and be a big body is, is something to be happy about. This doesn't mean he's the better player or a better shooter than either Kelly or Ochai, but there is a little reason for optimism on the offensive end with that ability to space the floor and the interior touch that he's shown already. Uh, so that's one side of the basketball floor. The other side's defense. Miami was excellent defensively as a team, but Yurt Seven isn't a tremendous individual rim protector at the NBA level, nor is he supremely athletic uh, moving his feet. Um, I think he's a fundamental, a smart defender, but he's not someone that I would consider an anchor of a defense. I think he'll be helped by secondary rim protectors a lot when he plays in the second unit, whether that's Taylor Hendricks, who has that really high appeal for that, uh, whether it's John Collins, maybe even Kelly Olenek, um, that that'll play a factor. Uh, let's see. He was, he played in, he played two minutes per game and eight appearances for the heat this postseason. So obviously not very much. He was more of a substantial part of Miami's rotation in 2021 slash 2022, where he appeared in 56 games, averaging 12.6 minutes per game. And this past season, he just played in nine NBA games, averaging 9.2 minutes per contest in the limited run. Uh, I will acknowledge that I think when you consider Paul Reed was one of these players that the Jazz would go after, and that was a three-year, $23 million deal. That's far more expensive, but he's a far more proven commodity. Uh, Omer Yurtsev, I think there's reason to be optimistic, especially on the offensive side. I think he shows uh, showcases a lot of skill but I don't think he's quite on the same par as Paul Reed as a complete player, someone who athletically belongs in the NBA, someone who shoots the ball well, despite that not being his calling card defensively yeah, really stands out. And he just has less playing time because he's behind Joel Embiid, Embiid who won the MVP. That that's something I think that favors Reed. And that's why he was worthy of that price tag and why the 76ers match, which I'm not stunned by because I think they want to contend and keeping a backup center. Uh, is important in that case, but it is a little bit surprising considering what it meant for their monetary uh, side of the things. Like they, they, they had to go into the tax apron to get Paul Reed and that shows what they, how they value him. And I think honestly, it's probably appropriate evaluation because he's, he's a really good player. Uh, Yurt seven to me is serviceable and skilled offensively, but I think this may actually open up the door for Hendricks to play more defensively as a five um, in time as, as he improves. 
I think this so far allows that for the Jazz to have a set rotation, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But I will, I will, I'll save that for the next segment. But basically, I think Yurt Seven is going to be a serviceable, skilled offensive big who plays alongside good athletes in the second unit that complement what he does well with what they do well. I'll touch on the rotation, his impact, minutes per game coming up next. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about prize picks. When you play prize picks, it's really fun. It's straightforward. It's simple. It's really fun. What you do is you place, if you think a player is going to have over or under the projected amount of strikeouts, the amount of uh, touchdowns, the amount of aces in a tennis match. I just watched Carlos Alcaraz win Wimbledon. And if you if you put the over, uh, if he was going to have more aces than, than what was the projection, you would have been correct. And that, and that was awesome. It was a five-set duel. But basically, you pick two to six players anytime, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections, and the projections are sometimes really favorable. Sometimes they have ones where they lower the lower the number, and it, it favors you if you jump on it early enough. Download the prize picks apps or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will match you up to $100. And if you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50 back. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N all caps at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Welcome back into Locked On Jazz. I'm Leaf Tulane with you here for another edition of Locked On Jazz and. The Jazz made a move. They signed Omar Yurtseven. Uh, when the Jazz were rumored to go after Paul Reed, here is what I said in reaction to not getting Reed, but I think it's the it stands still to be true uh, when signing Omar Yurtseven. Paul Reed would have been the backup five and likely would play 10 to 15 minutes a night behind Walker Kessler, but Olenek factors into the backup five minutes as well, as does John Collins. Do the Jazz find another big? I kind of think yes, as this is the move after getting bigger to me indicated longing to be patient with uh, Hendricks. So let me, let me interpret what that means. Cause I know it's a little bit of gobbledygook, but what it is is basically, I thought the jazz were not going to go into training camp with the roster that they had after not getting Paul Reed. I thought they'd get a center. I listed Orlando Robinson as one that we took the other heat, heat center. Maybe that's because Robinson's the better player. Uh, maybe we'll see. Uh, but basically that means I think you might get 10 minutes out of Omar Yurt seven. You might see him play alongside Olenek. Sometimes you'll see Olenek play the five. Maybe you'll see John Collins play some backup five. So he won't be an everyday big time contributor, but if you were to add up his numbers per game, I think it's going to end up about 12 minutes per game for the jazz as constructed. Why do I say, do the jazz go for another big after not getting Paul Reed when they drafted a guy number nine and Taylor Hendricks, because I think it, they, it, they wanted to get bigger and Hendricks playing the five gets you smaller. He's bigger at the four. He's bigger at the three. I think he's a four, but but he's that that doesn't give you positional size. It may give you versatility, but not positional size. And so that's what Yurt Seven does. He gives you positional size and the luxury of playing some of these long athletes, these tremendous rangy athletic guys that have varying skill sets around him. And it gives you the capacity to do that and have a big body to protect the rim, even if he's not a true rim protector. I also think this allows the Jazz to be patient with Hendricks rather than rush him into un- uncomfortable roles early on. So I stand by what I said. And to me, this indicates the Jazz view Yurt 7 as a capable backup uh, to occupy a similar role, though he'll play stylistically differently than Paul Reed. 
Like Paul Reed is an athletic energizer bunny who's going to battle and fight, and he's undersized. Omar Yurtseven's more stable interior uh, on defense. He's going to stay in there, play drop coverage. Offensively, you might be able to play through him as he's a pretty skilled big, but he can step out, space the floor, set picks, pick and pop, pick and roll. And maybe you'll give him an occasional post-up to punish switches. So where does Hendricks factor in is what many will ask. And I've talked about this before, but I'm going to, I'm going to address it a little bit because I think it is important in this case. I think he likely has a similar path to as Ochag Baji, where he splits his time in the G league and the NBA with or without a read replacement is what I had said in my notes. Um, as I was trying to indicate, man, I wonder if Paul Reed doesn't go, what changes for, uh, for Hendricks. Well, I think that replacement happens to be Omar Yurtseven. And whether there's an injury or if it's trade, I think that would make the minutes go up for Taylor Hendricks. But on anything else, I just don't see anything early in the season where he's going to get extended run. I, I think they need to ease him into what his role should be in the NBA because it's a valuable one, but it's hard to play, be a three and D extraordinaire. Someone who's a Swiss army knife playing off the ball, really rhythm based when you're shooting the basketball and that's what your appeal is on the, on the basketball court at that point, And you're hardly playing like that. Now you just got to shoot and you got to really think about all those shots. It's, it's really stressful. It's hard to be confident. Uh, Ochak Baji struggled with doing that when he would play, like he'd get good looks and then he'd miss early. And then by the end of the year, the game slowed down for him. I think the jazz are going to use a similar approach with Taylor Hendricks, someone who athletically has all the tools, but he's 19 years old. He wasn't supposed to be a one and done pick going to UCF. And he exceeded the expectations. He was awesome. He's a tremendous athlete, someone defensively that can be really, really good. But I think in signing Omar Yurtseven, in getting John Collins, Taylor Hendricks' playing time is going to be impacted. That doesn't mean it really impacts his stock as a player. It just makes him develop at a different rate in the limelight. I think he can develop quickly and actually be better year two, but people won't understand where the development is, is coming from if he plays a fair amount of games with the Salt Lake Stars, if he plays you know, sparingly in his time as the ninth pick. Like people will look at that and, and frown. Um, and maybe it's easier to do after seeing someone like Cam Whitmore dominate and, and win the summer league MVP. But I, I think it, it, patience will be important. Uh, let me, let me clarify something though about Omar Yurt seven. He's very different from Hendricks and he, he's more different from Hendricks than Reed and Reed and Hendricks are different too. Uh, but I so I I think the fact that Hendricks is more different from Yurtsev and actually helps him and accelerates his timeline. But Hendricks will still get valuable reps with the ball uh, in the G League, and he'll be on the ball. He'll have a game that's catered to to improving his skills as he's the most important player on that team. Where which is which is playing his desired three and D role, secondary rim protection, and he'll get a few more chances on the ball to you know smoothen out smooth his game, uh, get stronger. And a lot of things that like are his negatives are really like, okay, if he can be more smooth with the basketball while dribbling, if he can get stronger, things that happen just over time without much actual basketball development. It's just, it's, it's playing a lot. Like you see some of these guys, Johnny Davis was the night, uh, the 10th pick last year and he was not very good at all. And he was terrible in summer league. And everyone's like, wow, that's not very good. And that was myself included. I was very low on him, but he was a 16 per game guy in the summer league. That's just development and playing the G League. Like he, he played professional basketball for a year and showed he really improved and then was one of the better players in the, in, in the summer league. I think Taylor Hendricks is getting a fall, hard, rock, uh, hard rap because he didn't play in the summer league. If he played and played all right, people would be like, oh, I'm just going to pick his high flashes and everything. I think it's hard to be fair. But what Omar Yurtseven does is he's 
an interior scorer who can step out and knock down threes, but he's not a very good athlete by NBA standards. And defensively, he's a drop coverage big with little switchability. That's very different from what Taylor Hendricks is. Taylor Hendricks, like we talked about, is a three and D forward who can protect the rim a little bit, switch on defense, run and shoot. Reed is switchable. He's a rim protector. He can run. He can shoot a little bit. And he's a, he's a pick and roll threat as well as an, a really good athlete. That would have been more redundant, harder for Hendricks to find a way to claim that, hey, I'm worthy of playing, even if I'm young. Yard 7 opens that up. I also think uh, the Jazz are more well-equipped in the short run because now they have their roster filled, and it allows them with a roster filled to know what their depth looks like in terms of if they want to make a trade, what the cost-benefit analysis would be with a more holistic idea of what the Jazz would be. And the Jazz would have enough substantial contracts to make those trades and still skirt under the tax apron as Yurt 7. It's not a, a heavy deal whatsoever. He's $2.8 million the first year. But that's that's less than what Paul Reed would have been. And it, it's enough to, to be a significant contract that's worth something it, should they factor in the, the value of money and how, the, how being too far under or too far over uh, hurts the team in, in regard to the tax apron. The Jazz, in my opinion, now likely stand pat, and they probably could make moves and feel like they have uh, have confidence in like, hey, we can make this move. We, we think we're good enough. But I think they should have confidence in their depth now, and I likely, I, I believe it's likely that they stand pat for, and up until training camp. Confidence in their depth is important, especially with the aspirations the Jazz have. The Jazz want to compete as best they can, but they, tr- they don't disillusion themselves into believing they're a true contender. And I think having confidence in their depth allows them to put faith forward and play players more freely, not put too much pressure on them and have belief that they won't be sacrificing too much off the bench. And, and that's something that I think Geert seven helps solidify coming up next. I'll tell you about some jazz rookies, how they played in the summer league. We talked about that and some latest news on their health. But first let me tell you about Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai has been in Utah for over 80 years. Talk about longevity and productivity, Murdoch Hyundai's got it. Hyundai is the best car for your money with safety features, bells, whistles, and all, and, and all their amazing cars for amazing prices. The SUV lineup features unbelievable selection from the Kona to the Tucson. The Tucson I rode in recently, it's wonderful. And the Santa Fe, the Palisade. The Ionic 5 was named the Motor Trend SUV of the year by Motor Trend last year, and the new 6 is even better. And I saw it with my own eyes the other day. Unbelievable car. Sleek. It's electric, it looks just like a Porsche, and it just won the World Car of the Year. Talk about racking in the accolades. We're going to talk about some in the Summer League coming up next, but that's that's tough to beat back-to-back and only getting better. There's three locations in Linden, Murray, and Logan, so make sure to go into any of those locations and talk to the, Mur- the wonderful folks at Murdoch Hyundai who've been there for over 80 years who have the online selection and the expertise in person to help you get a Murdoch Hyundai for you. Welcome back on to Locked On Jazz. And I'm going to tell you about some of the rookies that impressed. They were winners of the Summer League. And also talk about the health of some Jazz rookies and the latest updates. So Keontae George, we'll start there. We talked about him a lot. Played phenomenally. He was averaging uh, 30 a game. 59 points in two games. And that's as good as you're going to get. Like, he he had a 33-10 and game. And then he got hurt, and he still played. He only played two games in the. It com- only completed two games in the Las Vegas Summer League. It was named to the All Summer League team. So he he was on that All Summer League team alongside Sam Merrill, Utah State alum, someone who went to Bountiful High School and has been really good 
was trying to find his way on some good teams, was on the Bucks for a little bit. He won the thing with the Cavaliers, and he was a large, large region Y, along with Amoni Bates and Isaiah Mobley, older brother of Evan. And so he, Sam Merrill was the backcourt mate. And Hunter Tyson from Clemson, interesting player. I saw him at the combine. He went 37th to the Nuggets, and he shot the lights out. The Nuggets seemed to find a way to pick shooters. Julian Strother was also pretty good, went 29th to the Nuggets. Cam Whitmore, who went 20th to the Rockets, was a top five talent by most, including myself, had some had a drastic slip in the draft due to considerable uh, thoughts about his health, his medicals, his uh, demeanor. Everything's been uh, scrutinized, but Cam Whitmore was the MVP of the Summer League. Really, really good player. I mean, he, I'm not surprised because good basketball players play good basketball. I think his skill set's a little less desirable as he's just a scorer who uses bruising athleticism. Um, right now, but I think he can develop. I compared him to Miles Bridges mixed with, if you get an absolute peak, maybe a little bit of Jalen Brown. And so for him to be first team, I'm not surprised whatsoever. And then the other one is the aforementioned Orlando Robinson, who rounds out the starting five of the all summer league team. Orlando Robinson was phenomenal for the heat and looks like he, because of that has driven Omer Yurtseven out of town and the jazz have Yurtseven. So Keontae George, in my opinion, was probably the best rookie who played a few games because what Whitmore did was less impressive and less conducive to winning and less conducive to winning at the NBA level as opposed to winning in the summer league. He, what he did in the summer league is great. He was he out-athleted a league full of athletes, and he was strong, and he was athletic, he was able to score. I think it does translate. But with Keontae George, he played the point guard and scored 30 a game with plus assist to turnover and by a good margin. Like that's really, really hard to do. Really, really impressive. And I think the tune-ups in Utah, especially that first half I've referenced against the Thunder, where he was playing against NBA caliber guards and in, in Trey Mann, in Jalen Williams, in Jared Butler, some of those type of players, he was he was able to adapt and learn the game. And that's when I truly believe, hey, look, he's got his head screwed on his shoulders correctly right now. Like he wants to play point guard and show what he can do as a point guard for the Utah Jazz. Like that means something. That means something to me. And then he comes out and played well the second half, like balancing point guard and basketball very well, knowing how to play the game. He did he did that throughout the, the games in Las Vegas, and he was deservingly on the all-summer league team. And I thought he was probably the most important and impressive rookie. And I'm not saying that just as a Jazz fan. So that brings me to the rookie news. Keontae George, who I just talked about, uh, did hurt his ankle, but he is not wearing a walking boot. That's a really good sign considering it's only been a few days. It was precautionary. It was his right ankle. Uh, it's the same ankle that he hurt at Baylor, which is why it's scary because you don't want a reoccurring injury. But it sounds like he just tweaked his ankle and he'll be all right. Expect him to tape up before some games. And we'll, we'll see if that becomes a, a bugging issue and really hope it's not. But it sounds like he's not horribly uh, disturbed by this and should be healthy soon, uh, sooner rather than late later. And if he's healthy shortly, I think his, his trajectory is really, really sky high. And I don't think this is too much of a deterrent. That brings me to the, some other rookies who, who didn't get to play. And I think have gotten an unfair reputation on jazz Twitter. Uh, Taylor Hendricks and Bryce Sensabaugh are not injury prone, like based off just missing these games. Like it's, it's unfair for people to say, and I've seen that some people say they're damaged goods and that's just, that's just not fair to what happened. Like Taylor Hendricks tweaked his hamstring 
And he didn't play in the jazz workouts. If you guys remember when they were talking about, Hey, we never worked out Taylor Hendricks. He was here. He was watching. He was engaged, but he didn't play. And he, he hurt his hamstring, a soft tissue thing. You don't want to rush that. Bryce Sensible, I had surgery on a knee that had what's called dead leg at the end of the season at Ohio State. I'm a little more concerned about that and how it impacts his athleticism, which already is not an incredible asset. But I'm not worried about, about them as a whole as being injury prone and not liking basketball because they're not fighting to play. Uh, I think Hendricks and Sensible didn't play, and, and this has been recorded a little bit as well. Hendricks and Sensible just did not have the time to practice and help themselves uh, acclimate to the speed of the game from not playing basketball. Like neither of these teams made the NCAA tournament. Hendricks may have played some, um, some NIT basketball. So let's just say they haven't played since March. In fact, sensible. I know hasn't because he was hurt. That's a long time to not play and then ramp up immediately and play in a high speed game where athleticism is paramount. And, and these guys are trying to prove themselves. Like the jazz didn't want to rush them into high speed drills. And if they, if the summer league was a week longer, and there was time to practice in this in this setting, well, either or they would have played, and that's what I've been heard uh, hearing from reports. So there's no reason to rush into basketball and, and and game speed and everything when you haven't been able to practice. Like it makes you look bad, sets you up for failure, and it also is jeopardizing their health. Not worth it. Um, I expect both of them to be fully ready for training camp and compete for time. And that that brings me to my final point. I, I talked about. I've talked a lot about how George's path to relevancy early in the, in the season and early in his career is just difficult. Hendricks. I talked about how it's a little circuitous for him to get time with a lot of players in front of him, but I haven't talked about sensible very much. Um, and, and like Hendricks was impacted by Collins, by Yurt seven, by Olenek staying on board. How was sensible impacted and what, what can I expect from him in a way he could use the G League time to develop his body and his athleticism with lower stakes. But at the same time, he may need to play off the ball, whereas in the, in the G League, he'd likely play on the ball. We know he can score individually, but what the Jazz want to know is how well he can play as a, a shooting ace two guard with a big body with the capacity to defend wings. And it's harder to tell how well he defends, how much of a, how good of an athlete he is at the NBA level when he's not playing in the NBA. How, how well can he shoot when the ball is not fed in his hands often? Numbers would suggest he's really good at catch and shoot. But a lot of those things are, are scripted for him as the top scorer. How will he do when those shots are the only shots you're really getting? Like Ochag Baji, I mentioned, sometimes felt like the pressure got to him and he was getting good shots and he had to make the shot to feel like he belonged on the court. And he settled down and he was really good. I think Sensible might be the best shooter in this draft. I, I would say it was Jordan Hawkins. But you could make a legitimate, statistically backed-up claim that Sensible is the best shooter in this class. So, is it helpful that for him to play in the G League and score and do hone that craft, or is it helpful for him to play sparingly and work on his craft as a shooter, as a supplementary piece who plays three and D? And I'm, I'm actually very curious to see what his body looks like. I expect him to be lighter than the 235 pounds he played as as a freshman at Ohio State. He used his body well. He played some bully ball. He battled. He competed. But I just, I just have a harder time believing that this type of player is going to play at that weight and then sap some of the athleticism, especially after hurting his knee. He'll probably be lighter than he was at Ohio State. And I'm curious to see how he plays and what he weighs in at, at training camp. All righty, that'll do it for me. Thanks for tuning in for Locked On Jazz. With your next li- listen, check out Locked On NBA Big Board, where Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen have been doing an awesome job. And I'm, I'm joining back on soon 
to talk about the summer league from a league-wide perspective as I am a jazz fan, but I love basketball. And this is kind of the wheelhouse that I've, I've carved my niche in because I love the NBA. I love college basketball and I love the NBA draft. So summer league is something that's really important to me. And I may add some league-wide perspectives in that along with Richard Stammen and Raphael Barlow. So check that out. And thanks as always to make locked on jazz your first listen. That'll do it for me. And as always, I tell you this every time let's go jazz.